0: Welcome to Turning Points, Clearway Capital Solutions' podcast series, where we talk to leading investment managers and general partners in their respective asset classes about the evolution of their markets and how they are responding to these changes. Established in 2008, Clearway Capital Solutions is an independent and privately owned company, providing business development and capital advisory services to investment managers in alternative and traditional asset classes who are seeking to engage with Australian and New Zealand investors and their consultants. The Turning Points podcast series provides listeners with direct access to the insights of our investment partners. This podcast is for educational and illustrative purposes only, and does not constitute and should not be relied upon as financial advice. The podcast will be provided to listeners on the basis that they are either sophisticated or professional investors.
1: Today we are joined by Jordan Barrow, Co-Head of Liquid Credit from Shankman Capital Management, an independently owned corporation with a 35 plus year history of adhering to proprietary bottom-up fundamental credit research, process-driven rules-based decisions and the avoidance of defaults across their portfolios. Shankman Capital offers leveraged loans, senior secured loans, high-yield bonds, short-duration high-yield bonds, multi-strategy credit, structured credit, and stress-to-stress credit approaches to investors. Schenckman Capital has a substantial client base in Australia.
2: Thank you, Dennis, for having me. I really appreciate it. Look forward to the conversation today.
1: Thanks, Jordan. Um, The high-yield bond and leverage loan markets look differently today than they did going into the GFC. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've seen quite a change in the markets over the last kind of decade plus. While the high-yield market has gotten much higher quality in its makeup, we've seen a very large pickup in double Bs, about 14% greater today, a pretty large decline in triple Cs. But more importantly, the LBOs, or leverage buyouts, that the high-yield market was really built on for a long period of time have left the high-yield market in a significant way today. And what's happened is a lot of that risk has actually migrated into the leveraged loan market. And while historically the loan market was the more defensive, higher quality asset class within leveraged finance, today the high yield market is really higher quality and the leveraged loan market is where most of that LBO sponsor-backed issuance exists. And you actually have higher interest expense, lower coverage ratios, and higher leverage metrics in the loan market today with just over 60% of the loan market made up of B2 and lower-rated quality paper. So the high-yield market, more public company-dominated, much higher quality, and the loan market today tends to be a little bit more lower-quality, private LBO-backed companies and lower-rated.
1: How else has the high-yield market evolved over the past decade? plus
2: yeah Yeah, so i I think we we, we just covered the fundamental evolution of the market but the markets have also evolved quite a bit technically as well going back historically with a much greater focus on alpha being generated by credit selection and, and not as much focus on beta and tracking error and some of the themes that have really garnered attention over the last number of years the way the markets have traded have changed quite a bit historically the high yield market which tends to sell off early in downturns because it's a very flows driven asset class used to have pretty large amount of bifurcation in the market early on because the selling in order to meet those redemptions was really done on a bottom-up credit selection perspective today That's not really the case. ETFs have become a much greater component of the high yield market. And while they only represent about 5% of the assets in high yield, since the beginning of 2022, ETFs are representing close to about 30% of the average daily trading volume in the market. And so while that's happened, the dispersion early on is just not taking place today. And the whole market is really moving down together because the ETFs have become that price setter as volatility picks up. And they're not selling based on credit quality or relative value. They're really selling based on tracking. And so that has really changed the makeup and the way the high yield market behaves as volatility picks up. On the other side, leveraged loans do not have that technical. The big player in the leveraged loan market is CLOs. And CLOs are not sellers based on flows or changes in price. Instead, CLOs, what drives for selling or trading, is really more on ratings actions from the rating agencies. And so very different technicals have started to come to play in the high yield and loan markets. So while the quality of the markets have moved much closer together, the technicals of the two markets have actually moved much farther apart.
1: Jordan, you've been involved in high-yield credit for over 20 years Um, given the changes in the market. What changes have you had to make to perform well in the current environment?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Dennis. When you step back and you look at it, for the first long period of time that the high-yield market existed, really anything pre-2008, all of the alpha in the market came from credit selection. And then we entered a decade-plus – where credit selection really wasn't a big driver of alpha. Monetary policy was really what the markets were focused on. And in that environment, portfolio construction really became the big driver of alpha in the market. And when I say portfolio construction, the two biggest factors by far really were how much duration you owned and how much risk you had in your portfolio because there really weren't a lot of credit events and a low interest rate, cheap capital environment, allowed for companies to really kick the can down the road and extend life and runway and not have the default events that really came to bear in previous market environments. Where we are entering and where we've really been more recently and where we think we're going to be for the foreseeable future is an environment where those two factors really come together to drive the alpha in the market credit selection coupled with portfolio construction. And the way that you're able to get the most out of your credit selection is doing it through thoughtful portfolio construction. And we think that's the environment that's going to exist for a while. And you've really had to adapt to be able to put those two things together, understand the way the markets change, the way the technicals of the market have changed, the way some of the structural components of the market have evolved? How does duration come into play? How does convexity come into play? And how do you use those factors to set up your portfolio to be able to get the most out of the credit selection? Because at the end of the day, you have to own the right credits. And we do think that there's going to be more idiosyncratic volatility over the next number of years than there has been over the last number of years. But the way you're going to get the most out of that is by doing it through the lens of
1: portfolio construction. How have the changes in the high yield bond and leverage loan markets outlined today been reflected in Schenckman's multi asset credit portfolio allocations more recently? Yeah, I think
2: as you look at it, where that question really comes down to, it's the different technical goals in the markets are driving really interesting opportunities. And so, As I highlighted, the high yield market is much more flows-based, ETFs are a much broader part of that market, and the selling and repricing of the high yield market is happening much earlier on in sell-offs than the leveraged loan market that is not really a flows-based asset class and doesn't have revaluation that's being forced around lower prices, right? CLOs are par instruments. They're not really a mark-to-market vehicle. And CLOs represent about 75% of the assets in the loan market. And so what's being created by that is opportunities to own investments in the same company, in the same part of the capital structure, at meaningfully different prices in the bond and the loan market. For example, there have been a number of situations in both 2022 and 2023 where parry senior secured high yield bonds and loans of the same company that were really trading on top of each other coming into 2022, we were able to sell the loan close to par and buy the bond some 10, 15, even 20 points cheaper than the same loan. Now, some of that was duration, but clearly not the majority of it. And so you're able to recreate much different risk-reward parameters in the different markets today. And you can really move around as those technicals are providing different opportunities in the bond market than they are in the loan market. And that's a really interesting way to have enhanced upside-downside captures and a risk-reward dynamic in a multi-asset portfolio. When you can sell alone of the same exact company that's at the same security level as a bond and take out 20 points and a few hundred basis points of yield. Those are really interesting opportunities to take advantage of. And they're really only there because of technicals.
1: We see a lot of headlines about how companies are performing. Um, Schenkman is in an interesting position with a $30 billion US platform and 22 analysts, what are you hearing from companies with regards to uh, fundamentals?
2: Yeah, you know, we're right in the middle of earnings now. Uh, It's really been pretty interesting this quarter, and and really the last few quarters, as we've looked at it, and really have spoken and talked with uh, all of our companies about what they're seeing. It's really idiosyncratic, and we're seeing a, a decent amount of differences, both within, across different industries, but also within the same industry, you're seeing differences in what companies are seeing. Uh, So for starters, there are certain industries that are definitely seeing a little bit of a weaker performance. Uh, uh, Industries such as chemicals, uh, more commodity-oriented industries uh, that have seen some destocking stocking over the last few quarters, for the most part, we're seeing that continue. But some other industries... Uh, that are a little bit more tied to the consumer, Uh, the U.S. economy are performing pretty well. And so we're definitely seeing some differences there. Uh, But separately, within some industries, because if you think about the challenges that have existed over the last handful of quarters, higher interest costs, labor inflation, supply chain challenges, those are really things in which management teams have been able to make certain decisions that can impact the exposure and ability to navigate those challenges. And therefore, companies within the same industry are seeing different results to the same problems. Some companies within healthcare are continuing to see a large amount of labor pressure. Others that have really gotten ahead of the problem, are seeing those pressures abate. And we're seeing those types of differences uh, within certain industries, which is really a new dynamic that has been different than what we've seen in other periods of volatility going back historically.
1: So um, what are your expectations for defaults? Yeah, so as I've highlighted, we are seeing idiosyncratic volatility
2: pick up. With that said, the high yield market is in really good shape and companies have been able to extend runway, refinance their capital structures, and there's not a whole lot Of maturity walls or hurdles in the near term. If you think about what typically puts companies into default, it's maturity and an inability to refinance, or a company runs afoul of covenants, typically in their secured loan facility, and the banks are not really willing to give an amendment or extend that runway anymore for a particular company. But where we are today, there's not a whole lot of maturity in the near term. The high yield market only has about 5% of the market maturing between now and the end of 2024. And most of those companies are higher quality in nature. And the loan market has, has really doesn't have covenants uh, to speak of anymore. And the banks don't really own those loans. It's really CLOs who are not really incentivized to put companies into default. And so we just don't really see a whole lot of defaults materializing in the next kind of 12 to 18 months. You know, we came into the year here with defaults pretty low, around 1%. The historical average is closer to three and a half. To see defaults move upward closer to the historical average over the next 12 to 18 months, uh, we, we do think that's plausible, but we don't really see defaults being much higher than that in the near term. From there, we do see defaults materializing, but we don't see this cycle being where, you know, you get some huge default wave condensed in a shorter period of time we think defaults can be slightly elevated above that historical average for a multi-year period. And so the defaults will be there, but we don't see it happening in the very near term. And we don't see seeing it play out when, when it does materialize in a very condensed kind of 12-month period.
1: Jordan, given the flow into money markets, uh, how would you describe the risk reward on offer in sub-investment grade credit? Yeah, so as we look at it, uh,
2: the, the high-yield market in particular is, is very high-quality today. And while spreads are not at historical you know spreads today are in the mid-400s, yields are around 9%. But the difference in the market today versus really any other period historically is while spreads are only 450 over, you have a higher-quality asset class but the high yield market is also trading at a much more significant discount today than it has historically in similar spread environments. The market today is trading in the mid 80s. We're well we're below 88 today at a significantly lower spread. And since high yield bonds don't, don't typically mature, over 94% of the high yield of high yield bonds historically get taken out at least one year prior to maturity. The discount in the high-yield market is really valuable. And we think that discount is is really underappreciated by allocators and not really taken into consideration given the higher quality nature of the market today. And so when we look at the below investment grade part of the market, it's higher quality, it's higher rated, and it has some real yield to it at 9%, but it's not 9% close to par. It's 9% in the 80s. And that's really a different entry point. And we think a pretty attractive entry point to start to want to own that component of the market, particularly the higher quality part of the market, given that yield and that discount. And so from a a risk-reward perspective today, we think you could create a really interesting portfolio, pretty high-carry, pretty attractive yields at a nice discount. And that's very different than what you've been able to create really at any other time in the leverage finance market where you can get this type of yield with this type of price without really being in the middle of a recession and having a much murkier outlook more broadly from an economic perspective. And so when we step back and look at that, the risk reward in the market today is starting to get pretty attractive. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Dennis. Really appreciate the time and the questions, uh, and being able to spend some time talking about the markets.